another episode of Mental Health Awareness, and today I will be conversing with my really good friend, not for a long time, but I think our bond is growing, (laughs) is Mm -hmm. Ariel, well, Ariel, actually, Ariel Sucker. Hi, Ariel, how you doing? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, Guys, Ariel is a filmmaker, film director, producer, so many other things that I'm just going to let her introduce herself so you guys can know a little bit more about her, and then we'll get this started. Uh, Hey, guys. My name is Ariel Zucker. Uh, I founded a production company called CNT Productions uh, that I run with my team, and together we create opportunities for underrepresented voices on unfiltered platforms. So I do anything that I can to help support that vision, meaning I uh, will direct a lot of content, I produce a ton of content, uh, I will edit, uh, AD, uh, you know, sound mix, whatever I have to do to kind of, you know, help uh, elevate the, uh, you know, the voices that we're trying to create space for. That is truly amazing, Ariel. And I, when I checked, when I checked that out, I was like, yes, I have to be there. It's just really good work, the ones that you're doing. And I'm so glad that we got to connect mm-hmm. uh, because now this connection will never, you know, it it will just never end. Me too, um, honestly. So Arlen and I met on one of my sets uh, recently in Los Angeles, and. Uh, she instantly stood out as just an incredible person to have on set. It didn't really matter what she was doing. She was just incredible all around. So <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy that we got a chance to connect and that I get to support you in all of your work. And I'm so excited for your upcoming work as a director and writer. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really stressful. Um, it's, it's kind of an hour um, that... <laughs> That I am hosting this month's topic on mental health and at the same time I'm going crazy trying Mm. to get this pre-production going and that's why I wanted to have you on this episode because we have never had a filmmaker I don't think we have never um, interviewed a filmmaker and I was like you know what mental health awareness a filmmaker female Yes, this is what we need. Like we Oh, I'm honored. I'm crazy. Yeah, I'm going crazy. So I'm honored. Yes. This is this is a lovely uh that's lovely. I didn't know that. Yay. Yes, yes. Um so you're our first filmmaker on 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 the podcast on it's happening and I would like to just pick up your brain and just have some more insight on um, you know, everything really that you do and how that relates with your emotional life and your personal life, because I, I mean, I can write a book on that, um, <laughs> but you've been doing it for, for a longer time, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just always to be able to learn from each other. Um, mm-hmm. so about mental health, what, what is, what is mental health for you? Mm. Yeah, you know, I'm from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, the South is, I I wouldn't say everyone in the South is like this, but I I think that there's a little more of a universal uh, theme that kind of, you know, I 
grew up in a house of, um, you know, if you're feeling something, uh, you know, get over it, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, put it away. Um, keep, keep trucking through, you know, um, I, I think this is also, uh, true in the Jewish community is, is there's a lot of, uh, you know, there is a, a level of, uh, trust with, uh, you know, finding mental health help. Um, and then there's mm-hmm. the complete opposite end of that spectrum, which is, you know, don't talk about it, power through. Mm-hmm. It's always hard. It's always mm-hmm. going to be like this. If you think you're suffering, um, somebody else is suffering more. Yes. And I think that's the mistake right there is we try to compare our suffering and, and something that I um, have always felt is very, very true that I will um, sing to the mountaintops is, you know, not being sad because somebody else has it worse is kind of like not being happy because somebody else has it better. It just, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. You know, mm-hmm. you, you got to feel what you feel. We feel to heal. Um, and so mental health uh, for me, I, I really, um, you know, I, you know, we've talked about this before is that I have uh, PTSD um, I was, you know, abused as a uh, as a young adult going into my teenage years, and took me a long time to, you know, actually own that and admit that that's what was going on with me. Um, and so it was kind of in my around, you know, maybe I was about 21 when I first went to therapy, um, and and this had been going on since I was about 16. Uh, and so I really went balls to the wall. Sorry. Um, um, <laughs> That's you know, okay. <laughs> I went clits to, I went clit to the bricks, you know, I went like clits to the bricks on this um, and just, and have been doing therapy uh, since then. So I've been deep in therapy for about four years. Um, wow. And I would say that, you know, my brother, um, he's, he's a very wise person. Um, he's much older than me and he's always described, uh, it to me as, you know, uh, your mind is, is a garden. And, and I know that sounds a little corny, but stay with me, um, that your mind is a garden. And if you tend to it once you pull the weeds and everything, it looks great. And then if you just tend to it once and then leave it, it's gonna, you know, overgrow again, you're going to have the same problem in a month. So it's about just Mm -hmm. continuing to tend to it. I think it's about a commitment to uh, constantly, you know, gardening your own mind. Um, And so that's what mental health is to me, making the active conscious decision to uh, work on yourself on a regular basis, as opposed to, you know, it's not a one-stop shop. Yeah, definitely. Oh my God. No, that is one of the best descriptions I've ever heard. And I'm learning about yes. mental health as I'm doing this and as I'm doing research and talking to people is that I've been learning about it. Also, my um, TV series I'm developing, it's it's much about mental health, too. So, yeah, we should talk later. That's that's yes. really awesome. That I could talk for days about this. And, you know, I, I also acknowledge that I have extreme privilege as a white woman to be able to express my mental health problems in a way that a lot of people are not. Um, so I, I love engaging in this conversation, particularly with people who don't share these privileges that I do. There is an expectation on, uh, you know, I, I think particularly of black women uh, to keep their emotions in check and yep. uh, are quickly branded as an angry black woman. Um, yep. And with black men, it's just it's not OK. I, I just I've seen it with, you know, white men and white women. We're, we're just so much more allowed to 
uh, feel to heal in the eyes of society. And I, and I think that's what's so incredible about, you know, the kind of work that you're writing and, uh, and the kind of work that, uh, my company is trying to support, mm-hmm. uh, because that's, that's not okay. It's, it's not okay that only some of us get to, uh, get to feel to heal. Yeah. I, I resent that. Yeah, no, definitely. And it takes us to, to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you something since you've been, you know, that's really impactful, really, at least for me that you've been going to therapy for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, um, cause I have been got myself to do the first session. So mm-hmm. how do you take care of your mental health? Like what are the, what are the first steps that you took in order to take care of that garden? Mm, okay. Yeah. So I think first of all, there's a misconception that you have to be rich to go to therapy. I think that's like, that's instantly, that's something that I thought that was a misconception for me. And that's probably why I put it off for so long. Um, cause I thought, you know, I'm a broke, uh, student. I'm working on these jobs. I don't have time for this. I don't have the money for this. Um, and I've been very fortunate that, uh, I I've had five therapists in this time cause I've moved around a lot. Um, and in that time, no, I'm sorry, four, sorry. No, yes. Mm-hmm. Five. Okay. And <laughs> in that time, I've been very fortunate in that, um, uh, I have nearly always found coverage for it. Um, so I think the first step, to be honest, is figuring out where you stand uh, financially. Unfortunately, that's that's going to be the first thing into uh, mm-hmm. uh, finding a therapist that works for you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, healthcare. I, I'm living in California now, and and thank goodness, healthcare is uh, very um, is is accessible, very accessible. Um, that's part of the reason I live here as a broke uh, young filmmaker. Uh, you can you can get access to the healthcare that you need here, and so I've been able to go to a therapist for the last two years uh, without charge. Wow. Um, and you know. The thing, unfortunately, the thing for me, um, and I, I haven't really talked about this much, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about it here, is the thing for me, the thing that actually pushed me to go into therapy was my suicide attempt. Um, and that that's when I knew um, that nobody was going to, uh, nobody was going to help me except myself. Because um, the thing is that I think a lot of us think that, um, you know, if, and, and, and I say us, because, you know, I I think this is just an expectation. Like if you act out enough, um, if you, uh, you know, express that you need help, that that'll happen. And, and it's just not the case. Um, I have, I think particularly in people our age, everybody's going through it. Everybody's, uh, struggling. And a lot of people are very blind to what, uh, what other people's experiences are. So people would see me struggling. People would hear me talk about it. Um, and they would just move on. Uh, and, and that would devastate me. That would make me feel like, um, I had, I had no hope. Um, and you know, I was, uh, essentially I was living in, um, Tel Aviv during this time. I had basically, uh, run three throughout 3000 miles from my problems in, in the hopes that, um, I could, I could escape this, uh, crushing PTSD that I was going through. And, uh, obviously the further you run from the, from your problems, the closer they are to you, the closer they are on your tail. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, got to a point where I, you know, I almost died. And that's when I decided to take, 
things into my own hands. Um, and, you know, I, when I talk about abuse, I, I mean, particularly with my father, I lived alone with him for um, four years of my life. And, and I actually lived alone with him for nine years and he was abusive for four of them. And um, that, you know, I called him that night um, that I had mixed drinks with pills and, and tried uh, to reach out to him and, and he hung up on me. And that was the pivotal moment for me where I thought I don't deserve to live anymore. I, I, there's no point. Um, and, and then I was, you know, I was visited basically by my past self and my future self. Um, these, you know, versions of me that were, um, saying to myself, you know, this is, this is not, uh, your reality. You you have a choice here. And that's the thing that people don't really understand. People think that um, suicide is is a choice. And it, it's really not. It's it's an illness. It's it's something that, you know, you think you have no choice. You just want relief. You just want to be able to sleep um, yeah. and to quiet your mind. Um, but I was very fortunate that, um, I managed to figure out in that moment that I, I did have a choice. And so, uh, the very next day, um, I ended up in a therapist's office and I just sat there for two hours and I just cried and I didn't say anything. I just cried and it was such a relief, you know, and I, I, I went in the very next day and that's when we started to talk and that's when the healing really began. Um, and I will also say the first session is never, it's never like that. Um, I, it was a very rare circumstance for me. Um, but usually the first, uh, the first therapy session is just intake. It's just, you know, saying, uh, why are you here? What are you hoping to get out of it? And people think they're going to be cured in the yeah. first session and it's just yeah. not the case. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's how I would say, you know, um, excuse me, that's kind of what you're, um, the question of like, how do you get yourself in the door? But I really do believe that everybody should go to therapy. I mean, this, my experience is a very extreme case, but, but I think that everybody needs to go. Um, everybody needs to, uh, crack open what, uh, what they need to heal. Um, you know, my brother who was just speaking about, uh, he didn't go to therapy. He's in his forties now. He didn't start going to therapy until his uh, mid to late thirties. Um, because all of this trauma that he kind of buried long ago, uh, came to the surface. Um, and, and my mom, she's in her sixties and she just started going to therapy for the first time. And I like to think that part of this is because I took that first step and I said, guys, yes. you know, I need this. This is something I need. And, and they really stood behind me. My mom and my brother were my rocks in this. And, and I think it gave them permission um, to do this too. So it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are or, or where you are in your healing process. I think just going and, and talking about what you're going through is, is useful in itself. Yes, that is a really good point because, um, you know, I, I do believe the same thing. And if not so much therapy, then, you know, like if you can't get yourself to actually take that first step, at least talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we uh, began this hashtag talk about it because mm -hmm. a lot of people just, just don't want to talk about it. You know, they rather just make a post on Facebook or, um, I don't know, talk to their pets. And like everybody has their own <laughs> way of fixing things, but that is this is the reason why we're humans. This is the reason why we're able to communicate with each other and find healing in each other is because, you know, we need it. 
Nobody yeah. can live isolated. Um, yeah. So I am. I'm very happy that you got your family involved and that they really support you on that. Um, because not a lot of people get to get to have that, you know. And mm-hmm. you are super strong. I bet you know that already. Um, <laughs> and I'm just really honored to have you as a, an acquaintance. So thank you. And you- I would also I would also like to add though about strength is that strength doesn't feel strong. You know, mm-hmm. like I think that um, there's a lot of that of like, oh, you're so strong, like you, you know, you you power through and all that. And and I have never my strongest moments felt strong. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard. So if anybody's listening to this and it feels very, very weak, I promise you that just by getting up in the morning, that's the strength just by putting one foot in front of the other. Um, that's yes. that in itself. And I and I also add that, you know. Um, my father, he's in his seventies, has never been to therapy, has always buried it down. Um, and, and therapy has helped me find empathy for him in knowing, you know, that there's a cycle of abuse, that this didn't come out of nowhere. Um, and I, I wish that he would, uh, go and get counseling. I I really do. Um, cause I, I think it doesn't matter how old you are. I think it really, it it does help everyone. And it, it is not, uh, as hard as you think. Um, finding the right therapist is hard, but, you know, talking about what you're going through, um, it, it just open the floodgates and it'll just come out. I really believe that. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, there's different ways in which we can suffer from an unhealthy mind. Um, and I think especially us artists and creatives, um, we tend to, you know, compare our work to other people, we tend to think we're just not good enough. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I think everybody does, but artists the most, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So you as a content creator and always doing, you know, things for your community or like, you know, just, just, just even the work you do with CNT as an Mm -hmm. artist, do you struggle with any mental health challenges that are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like let's oh, let's yeah. talk about that because I think like we all do, and sometimes mm. we just want to think that yeah, it's just normal, it's part of the job. But mm. Mm. I mean, you know this. I, I mean, set is brutal. I mean, mentally brutal. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, it doesn't even matter uh, what you're doing on set, whether you're a PA or or the director, you are p- being put through a mental toll. I mean, would you agree? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um. So I think, you know, I think something to that I've I've learned kind of in the work that we've done is that uh, particularly when you create a space that champions marginalized voices, um, that means that our spaces are full of of uh, women and people of color and queer people. Um, basically, there aren't any straight white men on our sets. That's kind of how they that's just how they look. Um, and that it's, it's amazing. And, and it, it sounds great. The thing to remember is that everybody is coming in with their own trauma. Um, there's not, you know, it's, it's really impossible to be a woman or a person of color or queer in this climate and, and not be traumatized, um, by, by what they've gone through, whether, you know, and I, and minor or major trauma, it doesn't matter. Everybody's been traumatized. So that means that people are coming into the space with, with a level of armor. 
Um, and, and we do that because, uh, you know, we're trying to protect ourselves, but, you know, armor bangs up against each other, armor bruises, even when it's just preventing, uh, our own suffering, it it does bruise others. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so I think, you know, there's that level of, of having compassion, compassion for, um, the people that I work with and, and knowing that sometimes their defensiveness or, or their, um, anger or, their um, sadness is, is coming from a, a place of trauma of what they've experienced before our sets. Um, and, yes. and I like to, you know, think that our sets can be a place of transparency and forgiveness. Um, so if something uh, comes up and uh, like that, where, uh, you know, a moment of trauma comes up or a moment of reaction comes up, I want our, I like to think that our sets are, are the kind of place where that can happen. And, and we, the people on the, um, the higher ups of that can say, you know, okay, that's okay. We know where this is coming from. Uh, we forgive you and, and we hope that you forgive us and, and we can all learn from this. Um, you know, cause every, every single person in general, this is not excluding white men. I mean, they have trauma as well. Um, but sometimes, uh, you know, healing with them in the space becomes difficult. And so that's, that's why we set up this kind of, um, space alone. Uh, but you know, what I've tried to really nail home with the team is that what sets us, what sets us apart is not just who we employ, uh, and who we have on sets. It's, it's how we go about, um, healing ourselves and each other as a community, um, and and that's what I, I like to, you know, that's what I want CNT to do. I want CNT to be a place of healing. I want to help heal the industry. I want to, you know, the way that we do things in terms of supporting others as opposed to thinking that other uh, women run uh, companies are uh, our competition, you know, because that's what society tells us, that we need to be competing yes. against each other. And that is, that's mental health. That's mental sabotage is us to think that we have to fight against against each other. But no, it's, it's, you help me and I help you. That's, you know, let's um, be stronger. The boys club works because there's so many of them. Let's be stronger in our numbers. Let's support each other in that way. Um, and, you know, this mental war path that we find ourselves on simply because that's the thing is that, you know, particularly with, with women, we're fighting to get hurt. It is a fight. It's so active and it's so hard to take off our armor and, and be a vulnerable artist. That is something that I think all of us have to struggle with and deal with on a daily freaking basis. That's something that I have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, and, and and I would also add that, you know, boundaries are a big part of that, you know, knowing when it's, you know, we, we overcommit, we get excited about projects and and we give our whole body, our whole selves uh, to it. But, but something that I found to be true is that when you make someone else, um, or something or some, if you make someone, um, the source of your need, you become a drain on them. And yeah. so none of us can can make a one person or one uh, you know project the source of our needs that we just end up draining that person or that project. Uh, we have to fill our own cups. I do second that about CNT productions. I um, it's crazy because I was in Atlanta 
and I, for six months. And then I came back and I reached out on my online community and I was like, hey guys, I'm going to be in LA soon. Is there any productions going on? And now a lot of people answer me back and I thought, well, maybe I'm just going to be chilling in Arizona until something comes up. Uh, you thought (laughs) I thought and then I was on set with you guys forever Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was we just kept making you come back (laughs) you're like we're obsessed with you please come back tomorrow please come back wait come back (laughs) and that was really amazing because I really found the support and like in Atlanta I was really um I'm not gonna say I was depressed um because I feel I felt depression before but I was just really really lonely um and, and I felt just not, I wasn't around my creative community, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not that I rely a lot on my creative community. It's just, it feeds me energy and I feed that energy back. So I didn't, I only had four walls to bounce my own energy around and that was just going, you know, just like yes. makes me go crazy. Uh, but then so when I went to your to bring set, up. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when I went to your set, it's like, okay, look at all these people and we're over here and like we're doing this thing and, and it's great. And like the support and yeah, it's hard, you know, set is hard. We're, we're barely starting. Um, but you really on to your mission. So. Mm, thank you so much for saying that. I, I, you know, that means a lot to me. I'm, I'm very, that means a lot to me. Um, I, I you just spoke on something that I, I would love to hear more about. Um, because I think that artist burnout is such a real thing. Uh, you know, we've kind of grazed on this a little bit, the, um, you know, mm-hmm. giving all of yourself to it and, and, uh, you're left feeling, you know, so empty. Uh, and I think what you just spoke about, about the isolation of it, uh, aids to that, you know, um, people, I I think that's the thing people think that, um, filmmaking is a, is a group effort and it, it absolutely is. Uh, but there is a real level when you're making your own work of isolation. Um, that's what you were just talking about when you're like, sitting down and working on your writing and, and when you're, um, in pre-production and, and you and I have had a lot of talks about this when in your, cause you're in pre-prep for your next project, just even though you have this whole team, when you feel alone, uh, in it. And, and I'd love if we could talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, what, were, what's your, um, what's your take on that, on, on isolation and how that aids to burnout and, and what, what you do to kind of combat that? Yes, I, Um, This is something that I, you know, I'm passionate about what I do, and I love to talk about it. Oops, that's the guy. (laughs) Pups are also a big part of mental health. (laughs) Yes, they are. I have four. I have a pup sitting on my bed right now. Puppy therapy. (laughs) Yes, so on isolating yourself as an artist, especially as a writer, in January, I decided to go to Georgia and and find some peace and quiet and some tall trees and just hmm. be there and write. So on the third month on March, I decided to really write for 10 hours a day. And wow. that was a challenge. And I taught <laughs> myself <laughs> a challenge to I, put it lightly. <laughs> yeah, let's put it lightly. Like literally I will 
um, wake up at whatever time my body wants to wake up. Um, I'll try to eat. Uh, believe me, sometimes I didn't. I'll try to eat. I'll do my coffee or Red Bull or whatever I wanted to do that day. Other things that I don't want to mention here. <laughs> and <laughs> I'll sit down in four walls. Literally, my writing room is just a chair, a table, and four walls. Um, and by the end of the first month, I felt like I was dead. Mm. You know? Like, I really felt like a zombie. And and I found out that it's not healthy. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't healthy for you. But then it was the dilemma of like, this is what I have to do because I don't know any other way. You know, I'm, I'm such a young writer. I don't have a writer's room. Uh, I didn't have anybody there. I felt really, I, I just, yeah, it was, it was hard. It was hard. And then that's when I met Alexis. Not when I met her, but she contacted me and she said, hey, do you want to be part of this podcast? And I hope she listens to this episode. I know that she's also going through her own stuff. And that's why we're here to support each other. But if she's listening, I just want her to know, you know, she saved me, basically. Mm. She saved me. And and when I was going through that, I was like, you know, can I take on this podcast time-wise? Yes, I can. Can I take it mentally? No, I can't. Mm. But I'm going to power through it because I know that is just a great platform. This is a safe space for artists to come on here and talk about, you know, talk their talk real, like without makeup, without having to pretend like we're doing this from our beds and, and we just talk. So <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that definitely struck me as I was listening to some of your previous episodes is how, um, how friendly and familiar it felt just instantly. Um, and, and that's, that's a, first of all, beautiful um, podcasting but also is just you know I, I would say your quality as a um, creative uh, in itself is is you do uh, bring about this um, feeling of familiarity at least when I met you I felt like you know Aww. familiar with you um, and and I don't know maybe maybe that's you know just uh, I've heard that before yes. good okay great um, but you know I think that there's that's really lovely. And I, and I would love to talk a little bit about um, how to lean on friends because um, there's a healthy way to do it and there's an unhealthy way to do it. Yes. Um, and, you know, they, the scientists, scientists say that you're supposed to have um, seven human interactions a day in order to feel healthy. And really? that's just too much for me. I'm just, that's too much. I cannot, uh, I cannot imagine um, on a normal, um, you know, huh. healthy day, uh, having seven meaningful interactions uh, with people when you're working from home. When you're working from home and you're, you know, putting your uh, head down and you're working on your writing, you're working on your uh, pre-prep, you're working on your shot listing or whatever, uh, you don't necessarily get all of those interactions. And so it's important to figure out uh, your inner circle. Uh, who are these people that you can be for real, for real with? Yes. Um, and I have been very fortunate that, um, you know, technology is on my side because my closest friends uh, don't actually live here in L.A. Um, one of my best friends in the world, uh, Brittany, uh, she lives in Texas. And the two of us basically talk 
every other day to every day uh, about our mental health. I mean, uh, we, we check in with each other and we hold each other accountable. And, you know, she and I started going to therapy around the same time. Um, she and I met in Tel Aviv when I was in my darkest place. Uh, and I don't really think that I would be here without her. And I honestly, I think that an act of self-care is caring about your friends. You know, I think a a lot of people interpret self-care as like, oh, it's a cheat day. Like that's self-care. No, no. Self-care is is loving your friends. Self-care is checking in with your community. Self-care is is putting yourself aside for a second and and seeing how your loved ones are doing and and checking in with them. Um, Self-care is about community. Um, and, and I think that if, if you at least have one person like that in your life, uh, then you are so, so lucky. Uh, cause a lot of people don't have that. I didn't have that for a long time in my life. I was on my own and that's the greatest danger is, is real isolation in this mental, mm-hmm. uh, in this mental trap that is depression and that is anxiety. That is PTSD is, is feeling alone. That's how you get to the darkest places. And it's so yeah. hard to negotiate as an artist because you do need alone time, but you can't, uh, you can't completely isolate yourself and cut yourself off from others because that way lies madness. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I did. And believe me, if it, if it wasn't for Alexis, if it wasn't for this podcast, if it wasn't for me deciding that that's it, I've written enough, let me go to LA and check on my friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't just call. I didn't just, you know, checked online or whatever. I said, no, I'm going to go over there and uh-huh. see what's going on. But there, there is a question that, that came to mind uh, when you yeah. were talking. And I think you, you already answered it with that. And it's like, what is the advice that you, um, with your experience and with your expertise, give to other creatives with mental health issues and challenges that they might know or might not know about it? Um, well, my first, uh, instinct is don't Google it (laughs) because that is just, uh, that's That's just crazy. (laughs) Um, I, you know, and obviously you gotta, you gotta do your research. You gotta know what you're dealing with. But, but the second you start to self-diagnose, uh, it is a dark, dark hole. Um, I, I really think that, uh, you know, the hardest part about, uh, depression in particular, because uh, I can't, can't speak to every you know mental health issue, but depression and anxiety, it starts to make you feel like you can't move. Um, and I think that just by acknowledging that that is a symptom and not you, uh, that is the first step. And once you recognize this isn't me, but this is my this is my mind. This is something that's that's happening to me. Is that's going to be the way to, to start to talk about it? That's going to be the way to start to uh, seek therapy or or at least articulate it to your friends. Um, and and when I you know I also we've talked about the online community being extremely valuable. There is tons of people online that are dealing with the same thing. So I don't want to say don't go online, you know, because, because you can, if, if you need a community, community is out there. Uh, I really believe that the 
only thing to do if you are struggling and you feel so isolated is to just find one person to talk to. Just one person. And, And that's the first step. Don't think about years of therapy. Don't think about the, um, all of what you have to accomplish. Just think about talking to one person. And, and if you accomplish that, that in itself is huge. Um, and I, and I would also like to, you know, say to anybody who's, who's going through this, maybe, maybe they already are in therapy and they feel like they're doing everything. Um, I think just looking at the wins, I think, counting the wins twice as hard as the like of the losses like count your w's more than your l's Mm -hmm. because lord knows that we take the l's to heart i mean i feel the l's like deep in my core and sometimes i don't feel the wins like i i really i just dismiss them so i think take the wins even if it's small even if it's just i got out of bed today that's a win that's a big win. Even if it's, I showed up to my day job today. I went to yoga today. I lied down for 45 minutes, but at least I went. I mean, yeah. these are wins. Really, they really are. We have this picture of what perfection is supposed to look like because we are oversaturated and inundated with, uh, you know, social media feeds telling us um, what the ideal life is. And none of that is real. What's real is what you're going through. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I think also recognizing that discomfort is a sign of growth uh, is also part of it, you know, mm-hmm. allowing that discomfort, allowing for that, you know, that uncomfortable feeling is a sign that you are doing the work. Um, and it doesn't necessarily always feel good to do the work. Um, for me, you know, we talk about this, um, as writers, but, I have, I keep a journal by my bedside and I, I try to write in it every day, even if it's just a couple of words. Um, and that's not for anybody. I don't show that to anybody. That's just for me. Um, and there are, there are small things that we can do that we think we don't have time for that we actually do, um, that are really, really going to be the make or break, um, cause it's not, a, it's not a race. It's a freaking marathon. Filmmaking is, 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 it's a lifelong endeavor. It's, it's not yeah. something that like, oh, you know, I think there's this expectation that a lot of people have like, oh, I'm going to put so much heart into this project and it's going to go to Sundance. It's going to go to Cannes and it's going to take, it's going to shoot my career off. And it's not, you know, it's, it's that first project is not going to do that. Maybe your 10th project will do that. Yeah. When you finally get to what you're actually trying to say, you know, because I think, uh, I don't even remember who um, said it, that we're all just trying to make the same film over and over and over. You can argue that, Guillermo del Toro and, and Quentin Tarantino and, and Paul Thomas Anderson are all doing that. Sorry for naming a bunch yeah. of men, but you're good. You know. <laughs> um, but yeah, they they're all making the same film over and over. So this expectation that we have on ourselves, like this is the project. It's like, just relax. Like this is not the project. This is just uh, you trying to figure out uh, who you are as a filmmaker. And so letting go of that really high expectations that we have for ourselves and just having some pride in the fact that we're just doing the work and, and carving out in that, you know, in those 16 hour days, carving out just 
10 minutes to just go, like you said, feel the sun, go write something down, go do a yoga stretch, go, uh, you know, talk to a friend. Uh, these kinds of small moments are actually the make or break for us as filmmakers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just, just to add a little bit on that is that, um, it's not the project it's you, you know, mm. It's not the project, it's not the song, it's not the, the painting, it's the artist behind it that's going to make it. So once you get to that level of making it, that's when you will make it. And whatever project is that you are working on that makes it with you, then that's just an add-on, at least mm -hmm. for me, you know? I think yeah. me and my team, we're going to make it to Sundance, we're going to make it to Cannes. Hell yeah. You know, it's not about the project. Like, whatever project is that that we're working at the moment... I'm going to find out then, <laughs> but yeah. for now, we need to work on ourselves. Honestly, um, Ariel, I would love to keep talking further um, about many other things, like we'll have many other topics, and um, yeah, I mean, I have you on speed dial, believe me. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, um, I would like to share any any last thoughts and just leave it open for our audience to like comment and, and send us some feedback on this episode. Cause I think it's, it's been really, truly amazing. Um, I don't want to go for an hour and a half. Maybe they won't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. Uh, but yeah, any, anything that you're working on right now that you'd like to promote? CNT Productions is having a live stream of this incredible uh, LGBTQ panel uh, and workshop where really pivotable, uh, sorry, pivotable? where really pivotal uh, creators in the industry are going to be speaking on their experiences. Um, so I have always said uh, to CNTs and, and to anybody who's, who's working with us or watching our stuff is to find your heroes, uh, find the people that make you feel like you can keep going. And it's super exciting that we're going to have all these incredible heroes in the same uh, room. So you can yes, just check is. on our live stream and uh, that'll be available um, even after the event is over, you can uh, check it out. We'll also be releasing this amazing uh, short as a first installment of a three-part series uh, called Open, a spoken word series. Uh, and it's going to be, it's called Poppy Runs. Uh, it's a project that uh, has taken two years of our lives and it's going to be released on Wednesday, uh, the 26th. And we are so excited to share that as well. Uh, so that's what's coming up for CNT. And again, thank you so much, Arlen, for having me on this uh, podcast. It's a really special space that you've developed here. 